Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what I want? <laughs> Not Samsung, Greg. Not Samsung. Not what? Not Samsung. Hey, that's um, that's pretty bad. The Raptors lose 114 to 99 in what some people will definitely call a scheduled loss. I think it's their fifth game in eight days, the second back-to-back they've played in, in not that long, and against the 76ers who are rounding into form to some degree, playing pretty good basketball, and now no longer carrying around the what James Harden on this team. The big stuff... Scotty Barnes started out really well in this game, um, pushed the Raptors out, kind of propped them up and kept them up, and was asked later on in the game to carry some pretty poor bench units. The Raptors struggled. Scotty, the jumper wasn't going late in the game. It's tough for him to get downhill. This offense still in the half court really can't get their wings downhill at all. Um, Pascal Siakam with a quiet game. The shooting uh, ends up pretty bad in this one, I'm pretty sure, too. Like, what would they end up shooting from three? Let's poke around. What was it? Um, 10 of 28, 35.7%. That's honestly, that's still better than what they shot on average last season. And uh, yeah, basically, the the Raptors, the, rim, the lack of rim pressure for that, what, every game in a row now. Like, even when they beat the Bucks yesterday, Hardly any rim pressure. They don't get to the rim very often. And um, as far as like what we're expecting of this team and what they're supposed to be doing, um, they didn't accomplish a lot of their goals in this game. They're supposed to evade their half-court woes. They're supposed to, with, with a lot of transition, they're supposed to get like a ton of stops on defense. And in this game, I think the defensive intensity was a little bit lower than it has been. Um, second out of a back-to-back. A lot of games in recent days, they don't have Precious out there, who has always, always, always been a huge factor in the Joel Embiid matchup. And Maxi didn't like completely blow up in this game like he has in the past. A lot of that has to do with OG, fantastic defensive game from him. And man, Tobias Harris goes 10 for 17 for 23. Kelly Oubre Jr., 23, he's hitting pull-up jumpers. Embiid is an MVP, so he goes for 28, 13, and 7. He gets there pretty easy, and um, yeah, this team—they're—they're they're impressive. They played a good game. We see—I see a lot of um, uh, derogatory comments towards Pascal Siakam um, in the comments. Honestly, guys, if you can't talk about basketball without that kind of stuff, you're not talking about basketball. We can talk about the specifics. What did Siakam struggle at in this game? Let's start there. Um, the doubles—he didn't make a ton of bad reads out of the doubles. In fact, he didn't really turn the ball over. But when the doubles came, he was making the one pass away read. He couldn't get the double deeper, so they were able to return back out, close out in time. That's not great, right? That's not what we're looking for. Also, Pascal, for anybody wondering, coming into this game, relative to last season, 
around 14 drives per game last season. He's around nine this season. Coming into this game, shooting 18% on his drives. Let that sit. That's terrible. Some of that is Pascal just not doing well at all to make shots. He's not making some of the shots that he should. That's a big deal. But also, it's, you know, that's a, a symptom of this offense not being able to get their wings downhill. And that's something that we saw Scotty struggle with as the game wore on. That's something that we've seen. OG, his shot attempts per game have waned in a lot of games. And Pascal, you know, his, his volume is going to be low if he's not taking a bunch of shots from three. Because in the half court, heading into this game, Pascal, basically half of his shots in the half court have been above the break threes. They've been dealing with, you know, a team that hasn't shot the ball super well, a team that isn't able to get to the rim at all. And um, they have a few guys underperforming. Pascal, I, I don't agree with the derogatory terms you guys are throwing around, but he, he wasn't as good as he needed to be tonight. That's for sure. Had some nice second side playmaking. But here's the thing. Pascal's on a max contract, even though he's being put in a different role. Um, he has room, more room to uh, to thrive in that than 10 points, six assists, three boards. Um, he struggled tonight. So I, I understand why people are frustrated. But geez, you guys, you throw around terms like crazy. Hey, we have with us Curly. I call him the Patriot State of basketball around my park. He coordinates all of the uh, he coordinates all of the basketball runs that we attend. He is a hell of a shooter himself. And for anybody who hey, maybe you don't like hearing me talk about basketball, you're like give me a reaction club that I can appreciate. The Live by the Street podcast. Curly, where the hell are you, man? Uh, I'm good. I would be a lot better if we didn't get spanked in the second half by the Sixers. <laughs> Seemed like a scheduled loss, you know. Is there anything um, that stands out to you that you're like, okay, this this is something we're definitely missing tonight? I, I think they didn't have the juice. They just looked like they ran out of gas. Um, they were losing. They weren't getting back in transition. Uh, there was a lot of easy buckets. Um at that point, you know, there there were guys having their back turned when they're running back on defense, knowing that they're pushing the ball up. Um, there was, I think it was Patrick Beverly that got a wide open layup on the left side and Scotty's back was towards him. Um, I don't know if they were communicating something, but if the Sixers made them pay when they got the rebound and they were pushing it up the floor a la Raptors and they recognized that they were a step slow and you know, hats off to Philly. They kept the pressure on them, but it was definitely the, the energy level in the second half was non-existent. The defense, they just weren't able to really keep up with it. And that's kind of been been a tough thing. We have a couple things I want to address. So we have a couple. This is where the, the small sample sizes inform our, our opinion. So we have one. I missed the first 60% of the game. Was Pascal bad on defense or did I just show up for the few times Tobias beat him? You're probably thinking about when Tobias was like pivoting and shifting in the lane. Pascal went up, fouled him. He got an end one. Um, Pascal actually had like a really strong game defensively when the when the team was locked in. Um, he guards out on the perimeter more than any other wing defender on the team, not named OG. Um, he had lots of good possessions out there. And then we have another one that says, I've seen Pascal getting stripped by smaller guards a lot. What do you attribute that to? His pickup points too predictable? Um, Pascal and Scotty. Pascal actually not as much as Scotty this year, but with less possessions, 
Um, they've turned the ball over a lot, and it's because it's very cramped in the paint. And when it's cramped, it means dig downs are a lot closer. It means that you're going to have a lot more arms reaching out on your drives and stuff. And Pascal, I think, is just at two turnovers per game this season. So um, these are like singular plays, or maybe you've seen it two or three times that that looms large. But these kind of things, this isn't what's the, the problem with what's going on, man. It's the big problem with what's going on with the Raptors is they can't get paint touches regularly enough. That That's something that, like, you look at how often this team shoots at the rim. It's never, ever high volume. And rim attempts are still counted. Like it doesn't say, it's not half court rim attempts. It's overall rim attempts. You're getting the transition stuff baked into that. Against these 76ers, hardly anything at the rim going. Against the Bucks, hardly anything at the rim going. Over the course of the season, hardly anything at the rim going. This is something that I've been super impressed the way that Scotty Barnes in particular has navigated the lack of space. He's done a tremendous job putting the weight on himself to like, I have to shoot jumpers because I have to shoot jumpers. This is the way it goes. This is how it's supposed to be. And he shot really well. Like coming into this game, he was shooting 43% from downtown. That's that's remarkable. In this game, we saw, like he didn't hit any after the first two, but starts off two or two. And one was like, give the ball up, relocate, hit against a tight closeout. The other one was wide open. And then it's like, has these little stop and pops in the lane because he has such great touch. And Pascal, as, as I talked about with that 18% mark, I don't know what it'll be after this game. Maybe it jumps somewhere to like 24. Maybe it goes down to 15. Who knows? But the shot making from those guys, they're being put in really difficult positions. Scotty has been tremendous trying to lift the Raptors out of it. But it's just shot quality, man. These Raptors do not create good shots. This was something that I think a lot of people were expecting. This is something that I think a lot of people were hoping they would be able to kind of do better in spite of the limitations in skill set. Curly, you're a shooter, man. What do you think? What do you think? Is there any salve? Is there anything when you look at this and you say, hey, let's let's try and uh Let's try and do something better. When you cook it up in your mind, do you have any ideas? Well, I think a lot of their shots, especially from the perimeter, are rushed. They're normally against the shot clock. I've noticed a lot, like maybe around 25, 30% of them. Um, and those automatically become bad shots because either the defender is there or you're rushing your form. Uh, they just don't seem very comfortable when they're shooting the basketball. And it's... It, it kind of coincides with, with how this offense is being run. Like you, you mainly have an action between, you know, Yak and Dennis at the top. And then the guys are kind of waiting to see what happens out of that action. And it's, it's very predictable. So they're not, they're not creating enough movement. They're not creating enough space for these guys. And, and partially, like you said, it's because there's not that much space to operate. Right. And we do not have like, we have guys that can shoot, but we don't have shooters, right? So we're expecting guys that are not gifted in that sense to do something above their skill set. And granted, they've all excelled in their own way. OG is one of the best corner shooters in the league. Um, it'd be huge disrespect to not, you know, sing his praises on that. Pascal shooting the ball better this season. Scotty, as you said, has been a completely different player from the perimeter, and he's not shying away from the opportunities, but. And even Dennis has been a pleasant surprise, like 
you know me. We've had this conversation. I was not very high on Dennis shooting from the three, but he's hitting at a very high clip. But again, you know, not his strength, not his forte. You know, you're leaning on guys like Otto, uh, Jalen McDaniels to an extent, Gary Trent Jr., even Grady. Um, but those guys aren't hidden. And when you aren't hitting from the perimeter, you become very easy to guard because you the defense knows where you're going and you're going right into paint. So it, it's tough right now because it, there's nobody saving them from the perimeter right now. And I think a big thing, too, that the Raptors are missing out on is obviously it's good to get that assist number bumped up. It's great. Fantastic. It's also really good when you look at a player's page. Let's say you go to cleaningtheglass.com and you see these big, bright, orange blocks that say this guy is one of the best players in the league in unassisted rim attempts and unassisted three-pointers. That is a huge deal. You know why? Because if you can get to the rim without anybody passing you to the rim, you're bending the defense like crazy. If you can hit a three without anybody passing to you, it means you're always a threat from a standstill. That's the thing that these Raptors, it's just no juice in that regard. That's been the most difficult aspect of this. Nikias Duncan has hopped in chat. Nikias, just for you, we're going to answer a question. Give me something you're you're hoping to hear our thoughts on and we'll respond to it. But thanks for popping in, Nikias. While we wait for that, like I, I am really interested to see what this Raptors team tries to do to navigate this lack of driving pop. And like I, I cited those statistics for Pascal, the the 76ers had a, like they've they know how to guard Pascal. They've seen a lot of mm-hmm. him. And an interesting thing, and this isn't me carrying water for Pascal. Pascal, like I said earlier, this is a guy who has more room in his current role to be better than he has been. He's, he's not really fulfilling everything he can. That's true, certainly. But usually when guys take a dip in usage, their shot diet gets easier. Pascal is one of the only guys I've seen who's like, okay, you have less of the ball. Your shot diet got harder. And this is why I'm so impressed with Scotty. Scotty sleepwalking to like 28 and five game in and game out because Scotty's shot diet is incredibly difficult as well. Like coming into this game, Pascal Siakam made every single shot except one in transition that he had. And the one shot he missed, he got the put back on. This is a guy who's like getting as much as he can outside of the half court. Same with Scotty. These guys are just trying to eat, eat, eat in transition. And then the half court comes around and nobody can make the defense move except Dennis when he's being guarded by Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard. But the pick and roll, which overall has been below average with Dennis running it this season per synergy, is once again returns to form tonight and is just terrible because it's not the Bucks playing lock and trail with really bad point of attack defenders. We have the question. I'm ready to deliberate on this with you, Curly. From Nikias, how much Scotty at the five do you want to see with this iteration of the roster? Nikias, you know the way to my heart, man. <laughs> I love Scotty at the five. Not only because him playing lower in the defense this season has obviously resulted in massive defensive numbers, huge stocks. Obviously, the blocks are popping Mm -hmm. off. Um, But he's been way more positive as a defensive player as a result. I really like spurts where we see Scotty at the five. And I hope they smash that button really often. I like Scotty at the five more than I like Pascal at the five. I like Scotty at the five more than I like Chris Boucher at the five. 
if it's not Precious on the floor, and if it's not Jakob on the floor, it just has to be Scotty. And you have to be leaning into like some of those dribble handoff sets up at the top. You have to be leaning into, if you're playing it right, playing shooting lineups where you can run the split action stuff that doesn't shake or doesn't move when it's Jakob as the trigger man and Pascal Siakam and Jalen McDaniels running the split action. Run that with like Grady, Gary, and Scotty making that decision. And if they overplay it to help on the split action, there's a keeper option there. I just, I'm hoping to see more stuff like that. And tonight is not a night to make great declarations about the Raptors, where they're headed. This was a tough game, both like matchup wise and the fourth game, eight, eight days or the fifth game in eight days. Like, but it was a continuation of their offensive failures and a continuation of their process, which has not been super good to start. Curly, what do you think of Scotty at the five? Love Scotty at the five. I think uh, he's really established himself in the low posts. Um, on the offensive end and the defensive end, chances are he's going to be more explosive than the guy that's going to be guarding him. So advantage Scotty in most possessions. And, I mean, we saw it. I mean, this was in him going, uh, you know, downhill against Giannis, but he was able to bump Giannis off the line and get a bucket. So if if he's able to create that that speed and 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 create that space just by, you know, going downhill at the free throw line, you know the results are going to be positive more times than not. And what's what's great about it, and you know, kudos to you for putting out that that great work on Scotty's passing. He can pass. So if if people are going to double him, well, you know, good luck because he's chances are he's going to put somebody in a in a great position to be successful and score in the basketball, but. Yeah, I, I think I think what the Raptors are struggling with are are roles right now. And I think that if you put Scotty at the five, it kinda, you know, smooths out the, the roles a little bit, at least in that iteration of the lineup. And I think they'll be more more successful. I'm with you. I think Pascal at the five is no good, but I think if you have Pascal and Scotty in the front court, I think great things can happen. Yeah. Honestly, it's we saw a lineup that really worked yet in yesterday's game was Pascal, Jakob, Grady, Gary, and Dennis. This is this is kind of where the Raptors lost the game. Is they asked Scotty tonight to carry too too many bench players at once. And that's that's a big ask for Scotty Barnes. And so you have to kind of ride the line of, you know, a lot of people coming into the chat are like, what the hell did I just watch? What is this team? You know, they're, they're upset. They watched a, a tough game where the, the Raptors, you know, the brakes got beat off of them. But there's also trying to ride that line between development and ride that line between winning now. And having Scotty try and carry, if this team, if you take a step back and say, we'll see how good this team is, instead of have a pre, having a preconceived notion about what they are, then you're okay getting minutes where Scotty's trying to carry too much. And you kind of see what that looks like. And tonight, against this 76ers team, they were overwhelmed and couldn't create offensively. It led to a lot of missed shots. It led to some turnovers. And it just so happened to coincide with, like, Kelly Oubre Jr. pull-up threes, Furkan Korkmaz running out, and them's the breaks sometimes. The Raptors are in data collection right now. They're trying to see what they have. They're... You go into a season with three prospective free agents 
that take up what like 45 percent of the shots on the roster after you lost like or after a guard left who was taking what like 18 20 percent of the shots on the team game to game this is a team that's trying to see they're not ready to buy on anything really they're ready to buy on on scotty and as they should be but everything else they're just seeing like hmm what's happening here and so evaluation data collection here they are it's been really tough and has pascal looked bad he's looked much worse than anybody expected Mm -hmm. why because he's not able to drive to the rim very often and when he is driving to the rim it's it's heavily contested looks that's tough scotty god bless him has done more with those opportunities than pascal has god bless him but the system is doing nobody any favors it like the ticky tack stuff okay it's barcelona in 2015 you got luis suarez neymar messi whatever but like man really the the offense isn't able to create good looks possession to possession this is the biggest thing they're navigating and part of it is the complete lack of spacing no no way to get around it dennis is definitely he's been good enough as a signing certainly he has of course he has Dennis people should be really impressed with a lot of what he does but as far as like being a guy because Dennis walked onto this team signed mid-level exception is now the guy who gets the most touches on the whole roster there's not a lot of like this system is not fitted necessarily to this team this system is the system and it meant that a guy who is not as good as Pascal, doesn't have the ceiling, obviously, that Scotty has, is getting a lot of the basketball. And there's a there's a bit of a lack of imagination in how everybody's kind of being walked out there currently. This isn't the end-all, be-all. It will get better over time, I'm sure, because there are unfamiliarities, there's all this kind of stuff. But my goodness, man, like it's tough right now. The Raptors struggle on offense basically every game. And... When they hit their threes, it gets a little bit better. But even when they shot 53% against this 76ers team, like almost a week ago, it wasn't enough. And tonight they shoot 35. It wasn't enough either. It's tough, man. Any thoughts on that soliloquy of mine? You can't look at the numbers this season, you know? Like he's shooting 50% and still losing. Like if you're shooting 50% from three, like you got to string some wins together. But um yeah, it, it's it's tough because they're doing two things at once, and we we've seen this movie before, right? Um, and I and you know us Raptors fans, we're we're a passionate bunch. We we care about this team. We want them to uh, do well, but it, it's still very early in the season. Um, is it encouraging that your best player Pascal Siakam is not playing well? No, it's not. But you you have Scotty playing well. You have OG. You know. Being consistent, Dennis has been a pleasant surprise. And like I said, I, I wasn't a huge fan of that signing, but he's exceeding my expectations. Um, you know, I think the ball kind of sticks a little bit with his hands. But again, what are the options? What are the alternatives at yep. that point, right? So I, I think that we just need to stay patient. Um, I think that we should also understand that Coach Darko is still getting a feel for these guys, not making any excuses. I think his roster management has been up and down, 
Um, I think sometimes he's putting out too many bench players. Um, you saw yesterday with the Bucks, he staggered them nicely, and they were able to be successful. But it also helps that they were getting um, some shots up. But I think another wrinkle they can add is that maybe getting out in transition to take those transition threes. I mean, instead of just chucking them in the half court, whether it's being contested or off offensive rebounds, I think adding that little element will create some windows of opportunities because if they're looking to run out and shoot in transition, the defense has to get back because you don't want to leave them open. They have guys that have the ability to shoot their shot and hit it, but if you got Gary sprinting to the corners or OG sprinting into the corners, you know, it's going to allow an opportunity for either Scotty to go down the middle, Pascal to go down the middle, even Dennis. Um, they have to do something different. And I think that's something that they could implement. Will they implement it? I don't know. But I want to see a little bit of that unselfishness. Dial it back. I think they're a little too unselfish. They're looking to make that perfect pass when sometimes the good, the good pass creates a good shot but they're looking for that perfect shot in some possessions and it just seems like when when they end up getting in this this okay let's let's be unselfish and find that perfect shot they're going against the shot clock and then it's like seven six five and then you know they end up bumping into either themselves bumping into a double team or they take a heavily contested shot so i think that we need to Dial back that unselfishness and be a little selfish. If you have a shot, just take it and live with the results. Yeah. I think, so we, we have a lot of people, oh, from running off the screen, our guy, Mac, we have a question. Do we think the new roster moves, do we think roster moves will be made before the new year? If so, what need would be addressed? Hmm. I think that this Raptors team is probably, it's more likely they're on the the path that means the roster that's getting addressed is the one trading with the Raptors. Mm -hmm. And the Raptors are more so looking not for like to address something on the roster, but a return that has a chance of panning out in an interesting and meaningful way. That's that's where I think the the trades might happen. I think it's more likely that the Raptors trade to become a worse team in the interim prioritizing the future than it is that they make another trade to try and bolster this roster. What do you think? That, that's exactly my line of thinking. Um, if I'm going against that thinking, you know, history dictates that. But if I'm going against the grain of thinking, getting a shot creating guard is what we need. You know, whether it's off the bench or, you know, somebody that's worthy of starting, we need that shot creation. Somebody that can create something out of nothing. Because, we're getting a whole lot of nothing and we need a whole lot of something, right? So somebody coming off that, coming off the bench to give us that juice, that little oomph, you know what I mean, would be a huge boost. But it's, it's about what they're prioritizing. And I think the, with this front office, you just don't know which direction that they're heading into it. And because they created the situation where they can go either way, they can either go the full developmental route or go, you know, double down on contending Again, you know, they have that luxury with the play with the players that they have, but the contract situations make it a little bit more challenging. And we've seen this front office kind of, you know, crumble when when the yeah. pressure when pressure hits them. So 
Um, I'm hoping they can get ahead of it, but I, I'm with you, man. I, I see them. If they're going to do any trade, it's it's to get worse and maybe recoup some draft capital and build towards the future. Let's talk positive and then let's talk negative. And that means we're talking about OG and then that means we're talking about Gary. So OG, I think, probably played his best game of the season tonight. Um, he was incredibly good on Tyrese Maxey in the minutes that he did. And he was playing against Embiid late in the game. And of course, there's like a bunch of cross-matching in the interim between all those different types of things. Not to mention, he had a bunch of effective drives to the rim in this game where he kept his balance and finished strong. OG has always been a guy who, by the numbers, has extremely strong finishing numbers because A, he gets a lot of dunks in transition. That's 100%. That's great returns on those. He dunks in the half court off of cuts. And he can catch lobs and stuff like that. The Raptors, out of horns flex and out of a different elbow alignment, one of their pet plays to finish last season was a lob to OG. And they even have like the the rip veer pick and roll that they would run where Scotty could hit OG on a lob too. This stuff is good, but it's not so often where he, you know, euros through the lane, cuts through like butter and gets to the rim for a layup. It's not so often that he's able to take like that mid post spin hang on his pivot foot, pump, and then go up same side. Like, those are really nice plays. And that's like, that's that's just kind of where it is. That's really impressive from OG. One of his best driving games of his career. I know it's not super exciting to see it in a game where the Raptors don't impress really. But as far as like half-court drives, one of the better driving games we've seen from OG. And that probably, this goes up against like, the bubble game where he was kind of taking Bam out of bio off the bounce. If you remember oh, yeah, that one, yeah, it was pretty yeah, fun. It was. But yeah, what'd you make of OG tonight? Man, I've, I've been so impressed with OG when he's been healthy and not dealing with muscle cramps. He's been solid, man. Um, I'm not going to lie. That Euro got me out of my seat, man. I was like, OG, you have that in your bag, man? Did you pick that up in the off season? It was impressive, man. And yeah, I think it has been his best driving game. And even like you saw some possessions in the Milwaukee game as well. Like he had a nice drive baseline when he went left and finished right and kept his balance. You know, sometimes when he gets a little too low, he kind of, you know, fumbles the ball, but kind of goes with his build, how how aggressive he is on the drives. But what I've noticed with OG is that, and, I, and I've said this multiple times, when he has his mind made up on what he's going to do, more times than not, it's successful. And I think what's so impressive is that it's not as forced as it was in seasons past. I think he's a, being a little bit more patient. I think there's a little bit more understanding that more times than not, if I'm driving into the paint, nobody's really bumping me off the line. So I can get that space, create that contact. And and more importantly, he's finishing through that contact uh, uh, before he would kind of like dance around it a little bit, maybe try to go the finesse route. But I think he's leaning into his strengths a lot more than he has and in seasons uh, past. And it's been, it's been a joy to watch, man. And I know he's your guy. He, he hasn't been my guy, but he is certainly he is certainly earning my respect and changing my whole perspective uh, on him. And not to mention, he's playing superstar level defense. Like he's looking at like one of the best two way players in the league right now. And I don't and I don't think there's any arguing that. 
Yeah. It's well, it's tough to it's tough to find that that line between the two things. And there's obviously if you talk about two way players, most of the guys we consider are like stars who give a little bit of a shit defensively and have the tools. Like Jason Tatum for a couple of years, his nail defense, his his isolation defense, and just like he helps close out possessions on the boards. He has some like second, you know, he can be secondary rim protector. He was one of the better two-way players. His defense is feigned like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, definitely. Here's, here's I, I want to address a comment that like I get and I don't understand. It says we're too reactionary. It's a new system, a new coach, a new rotation. Deserves way more than six games. My brother, this is the job. I go to the arena. I go to the practices. I get on here after every game and talk about the game. And I'll tell you this much, specifically about the game, not narratives. We talk about the actions. We talk about works. We talk about the numbers. We, we, I don't know what you want us to talk about. We're talking about the game that happened. This is the job. What do you want me to say? Hey, it's only been six games. You can't say anything. Is that, is that entertainment? Is that the job? Is that the work? What are we supposed to do for you? Like, would I be good at my job if I said, you can't say anything? I mean, come on. Guys, really? That's 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 what I'm it telling is. you. If, if if that was if that's what you were delivering at one o'clock in the morning, man, I would turn that off so quick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's that's what we're here to talk about. The specifics of the game. What actions did they run? So, for example, that what they ran to get Pascal the Euro against Bobby Portis in my goodness, that that Bucks game where the Raptors, they broke everything off. The disguised flare where he went downhill, where they emptied out the side. They ran it against the 76ers, and guess what the 76ers did? They didn't filter through on the back end. They dropped their big out of the action instead of letting him get caught up. And then that play doesn't end up as well as for Pascal Siakam in this game. The difference between the two things was not up to the Raptors. It was up to the defense. And that's that's a big thing about this game, too, is that the Bucs, when the Raptors had their, you know, their best offensive game of the season, the Bucs are a team that they struggled a lot last night. And then we look at, you know, this game, the 76ers, they played pretty good defense. They had size to throw at the Raptors in a lot of places. Tyrese Maxey, while a small guard, his compete level at the point of attack was pretty good, especially like when Dennis would get the edge, Maxey's hanging out on his hip, trying to stay engaged so that the pocket pass isn't as easy, can go in and try and like strip Jakob if, if he catches near him. So Jakob is usually trying to catch with momentum to the rim. I saw a question, you know, earlier that was asking why his, his uh, finishes haven't been as good as last season. And I think like part of it is that Jakob is finishing with different footwork this season than he did last season. He's finishing at a faster pace, which it's difficult. The Raptors are dealing with a lot of things. There's a lot of changes going on, but these games count. They're two and four now. They have to play the basketball. Regardless of they changed their coach, so did the Bucks. Philadelphia, who played, not only did they change, you know, if you want to say the Raptors, they they lost Fred Van Vliet. They got rid of Nick Nurse. What are they supposed to do? New system. They just played Philly for the second time in however long. They have a new coach. They lost a guy who had even more of the ball than Fred Van Vliet in James Harden. They are running a new system under Nick Nurse, purportedly. And here we go, you know. Teams change in the offseason. They have to figure it out, not just in the early part of the season, but like a little bit before the season at least so that they can compete in the games that matter. The Raptors offensively haven't been up to snuff. The good news, 
the defense has been pretty good, even though in this game, I mean, hey, Kelly Oubre Jr. rains hellfire on you, goes five of six from downtown. You just kind of like, that's that's the game. He made over half of the 76ers threes in this one. And he scored 23 points. And that's just impressive. And Embiid goes for 28. Tobias goes for 23. He was impressive in the paint, especially. This, the Raptors, not only did they get like outplayed in this game, part of it is because of the teams. Like the 76ers are probably going to be a better team than the Raptors this year. Part of it is because there's a lot of games in not so many days recently. And you know what? We go from here. I think the next the next game is San Antonio. Victor Wembanyama. You see where we're at. Give it a few days to to sit and settle. But I don't know. How do you feel about the early part of the season, Curly? Honestly, I don't feel anything. <laughs> right? It's still <laughs> it's still early uh, for me to have a real reaction. Um, I think going into this season, we kind of suspected some of these things to happen, but I think a lot of it now that the season's here, it's being amplified and it's under a, a bigger microscope or magnifying lens, sorry. Um, and, and I think it's, it's very easy to highlight the negatives when there's not too many positives going around, right? Um, but from a Raptors side of things, uh, this was to be expected. I think the only thing that was unexpected was Pascal struggling as much as he is right now um, and not, you know, capitalizing on the opportunities. I think there is some misuse in terms of, of his effectiveness, especially on the offensive end. Like, he's not a dribble handoff kind of guy, right? He's he's the guy that needs the ball in his hands and, and to create. And we saw that against the Bucks, and it was – it was great. I mean, it helps that the Bucks are not a very good team defensively, but you saw that the offense was humming, you know, and Pascal has that cachet, you know, to attract double teams to get that attention that it's going to create opportunities for them. So I'm hoping that as the season moves on, we can kind of get him less off ball and put him a little bit more on ball. And um, I think the team will be, will be better for it, but it, it, it's tough. It's tough because if the if the starter if the starters are doing their part, they're gonna need a breather. So who's coming off the bench to give us that that juice, give us that little boost to help us stay in games? You know, uh, you saw tonight that Scotty was pulled out. I think around the six or seven minute mark, and then he was there running with the bench guys. Um, it's. It's tough, man. I think Coach Jarko uh, took a little, how's the saying go? Bit off more than he can chew kind of, kind of thing with this lineup. It, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. I think uh, I think Darko can chew as much as you give him. It's just that the Raptors in the in, like in the short term, that as long as the the personnel and the the style aren't a perfect mix, and also the fact that the personnel this roster is not a perfect mix with what the NBA is today. Like that's that's the tough part about it. They don't they don't have enough gravity. They don't have enough shooting on the floor typically. Sure they shoot the ball well some games, but those teams are very happy to give those shots. In response, they give up like nothing at the rim. Some games the Raptors shoot well from the rim, but they're just not pressuring the rim game to game very often. Said we were going to talk about Gary. So let's do it. It's been it's been very tough for Gary to start this season. 
it's a very difficult place for Gary to be in because Gary went from being one of the few shooters on a roster where they would collapse the defense, specifically with like a Fred Van Vliet pick and roll. Not that Fred Van Vliet is getting uh, the rim pressure, but he's getting a paint touch going above the break to the corner, whatever. Like there's a bit of turning the defense in there. And then also like Pascal seeing quite a few doubles where you find the pass out side top side action. Maybe Gary is Gary has a lot of open threes and is hitting them this season. Gary has less open threes. He's being asked to dribble more and he's being asked to make more playmaking reads. So moving away from his greatest strength, I think, and into things that have been weaknesses for him so far and similar to Pascal, because it's, it's a very similar case to Pascal asking him to shoot, you know, above the break threes for 50% of his half court shot diet, Gary two for eight tonight, five rebounds, no assists, minus 15. That's like a, that's a really familiar stat line for him this season. It's been tough. He hasn't done well fitting into the defense the way that Schroeder, Schroeder has his limitations, but Schroeder's also balling and doing what he's capable of doing every time he steps out there. And what they're asking him to do fits a little bit more snugly into what he's capable of doing. Um, the Gary opinions, I got to know where you're at. Yeah, it's been tough. And, you know, I'm a Gary fan. I'm, I'm rooting for him, but it's it's a tough goal right now. Um I, I think he's overthinking, and I think part of it is he's being asked to do something that he's not really comfortable doing. And and I guess you have to be adaptable, you know, a new coach, new system, that kind of thing, and you got to expand your game. I, I think we've been asking for a little bit more playmaking from Gary, um, but it's not very fruitful. And, and I always felt like that's been the Raptors' problem in general is asking guys to – overextend themselves and do things beyond their capabilities. Now, I'm not saying that they can't. These, these are some of the best players in the world. Like these, these guys are professionals. Um, they can do it, but I think you have to find that balance of whether you want this to be a developmental thing or if you're trying to win games. Like maybe try it out in possessions, but you know, when you see the lead going from four to six to nine to 11, you know, maybe kill that experimentation and just allow him to do what he does. And that's to get a bucket. Um, but I think he's struggling with the, his role coming off the bench. Uh, you know, sometimes he's playing over 20 minutes, sometimes playing under 20 minutes. And it, it almost feels like he's he has that Malachi syndrome when uh, Nick Nurse was here. He's kind of looking over his shoulder type of thing because we saw Otto come in and he gave great minutes. Um, so there's there's somebody waiting in the win and in Gary's case. But I, I just think he's overthinking. I think some of his, his shots have been not the greatest of quality and part of it is, is the offense as well. But that's what I was, I was saying earlier. He needs to get those runouts, get those transition threes to get – get himself going if nothing else is working. You know what I mean? Just keep it simple. Shoot or shoot. You know, you got to shoot. Whether you're you're 1 for 10 or 10 for 10, you got to shoot the basketball. And uh, I think he just needs to rediscover that in the short term. Yeah. Coming into this game, honestly, a very strange stat is that because transition threes are usually great looks. They're usually like at least open 
to wide open. And Gary, I think, coming into this game was two of eight on transition threes. That's it's small sample size, so it can it'll obviously swing in a more positive direction. But it's a rough start to the season. Um, I I don't know if anybody I can go poke around on his stats for the season. They haven't been good, obviously, but it has been disappointing because this is kind of the thing about how things can come all at once and they can go all at once. The fact that Scotty is not only like dominating as a transition playmaker and a guy who pressures the rim in transition, not only is he taking a step defensively, but he's also, I know he didn't shoot it that well in this game, seems to be taking a step from three. I don't think he'll be, end up at over 40%, but he's making all these steps at once. And it's people want to believe that because it's optimistic. That's good. But on the other side of things, it's like, okay, Pascal, we expect the usage to go down. So his usage will go down, but the stats will get better because usually stats like your efficiency goes down as you ratchet things up. So if you ratchet them back down, the efficiency should go up. And both Pascal and Gary are taking that usage dip, but efficiency is coming with it. And that's the tough thing is like not everything comes at once. Not everything goes at once, but they can definitely be bundled together in a way that is tough to predict. Like coming into the season, people would have said, well, Gary's just going to like shoot the ball well. No matter what happens, Gary will shoot the ball well. To this point, I think he's shooting 26% from three. Like that, that's tough. Or 28%, sorry. He's shooting 33% from the field. And he shot 25% tonight. He's averaging less than 10 points per game. It's not completely his fault. He's in a new system. He's doing different things. But also like you have to be put in positions to succeed succeed in them and he's being put in less positions to succeed and also in those that smaller number of positions to succeed he's succeeding less than he has in the past and like that's that's the tough thing that's the tough part it's uh it's it's been tough these things should come around though like maybe they come around in a different way than we're expecting but gary's not going to shoot 28 percent from three he's not going to shoot 33 percent from the field Pascal's not going to shoot 18% on drives over the course of the season. Some of this stuff will normalize and positively regress. Um, I saw people in the comments giving Trey a hard time because of the last episode saying positive regression, saying just say progression. But when you're talking about statistics, the statistical term is actually positive regression, as silly as it sounds. I mean, let's talk about the starting lineup. Curly, happy with it, unhappy with it, wanting a change. How you feel? I think it's as good as it's going to get right now. I mean, it, it's it's working. There there has been some successes, right? It's not just all on their shoulders, right? It's it's, it's a long game. It's forty eight minutes, right? You know, bench players come in. We've seen this before. The bench players come in. The lead dwindles. They they have to put the starters back in, or you have to start stagger them in order to have some sort of effectiveness. But um, you know, initially, my my impression was to put Dennis off the bench. That was my initial thought and start Gary because we we've seen Gary find his his better days as a starter, right? But you have to be adaptable, right? You just that's not a good enough argument for you to be a starter at all because you're a starter. You play well and not well off the bench. No, you have to be adaptable, and I think he's definitely struggling with that. But I also think that the Raptors have that luxury to put Dennis off the bench where I think it'll give a huge boost to the bench and the guys like Gary, like Jalen, like Grady. Um, I, I think they'll 
they'll have higher success than what they're currently being asked right now. Not to mention that Dennis will have the ball in his hand so he can dictate and he can feast. And at, at this point of the season, he can go at any guard coming off the bench anyways, right? And you will live with those results. But I think as of right now, it's working. I think you you have to you have to keep it going at least for Scotty's sake, right? You don't you yeah. don't want to tamper that, right? Um, I, I think Yak can definitely be better. Um, I think he can definitely he, he he looked great the last couple of games, but it, it has not been a great start to the season for him. But it hasn't been a great start for uh, of the season for anyone. So to kind of nitpick at this point so early. I think it's wasted energy at, at this point. But the starting five is good enough. We've seen them hang in there, play great defense. It's it's just not all – it's a, it's all start, no finish at this point, you know, and especially in the losses. I do – I also think that after seeing how Dennis has applied himself, how much the Raptors are asking of their guards, I think, like, Dennis has to be in the starting lineup. I thought that, you know, I wasn't sure because Darko said 0.5 offense. We heard it a lot, but 0.5 offense is like decision-making within the design. 0.5 offense isn't a design. Like the, you can hear Steph Curry talk about 0.5 offense. There's a clip that went viral, but Steph Curry doesn't play in a 0.5 offense. He plays in motion and triangle offenses where the 0.5 ethos is kind of within that. I was I'm a little bit surprised at how much guard initiation the Raptors are playing with this year. And that that extends to like I'm surprised sometimes at how little Scotty touches the ball in the half court. I'm surprised at how little they go to Siakam in the half court. And that means to me that Gary can't play in the starting lineup. He it, because it, the offense is asking so much of the guards, like Dennis immediately coming onto the team being the touch leader and that like that's a big surprise, I think, for most people. Is he started playing with the ball like the same amount of touches as Fred last season that a lot of people had problems with, right? And Dennis has been better, especially when you count for defense. I'm not, you know, relitigating that or anything. But I don't think you can ask Gary to step into this starting lineup because they're playing the offense the way that they want to. They're trying to create a shift in decision making and a shift in design. And Dennis has done pretty well. And Gary, I think, would struggle. Like, Dennis is racking up assists, not not even necessarily touching the paint, just being kind of like the organizer, like, hmm, put it here, feed the guy the ball there. And Gary averaging, like, 1.2 assists per game is a real indictment of his playmaking and decision-making because there are opportunities out there. And Dennis is just, like, walking into them easily. And, like, Dennis, what's his, his highest assists? Is 6.3 with Atlanta and he had a lot of the ball with Atlanta. I like Gary has really disappointed with decision-making. Gary has really disappointed with the playmaking. Um, it doesn't mean it can't turn around. It's just to this point he's had, I would argue of the guys who get paid, I don't know, over $12 million a year. He's had the toughest time adapting to it. If that makes sense. No, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, but to be, to be honest, I don't want him to be making decisions. I want him to score, to be honest. Like, that's your strength. Go and get me a bucket. Um, but it's hard to to go get a bucket if the space doesn't exist and if those opportunities don't present themselves. I, I have a question. I, I've noticed this trend developing where, you know, Scotty 
is cooking right now. And there are times where the ball gets away from him and he's like maybe just, you know, doing a touch pass or maybe kicking it out to somebody else. And those kind of possessions really find Dennis or, or OG or, or Pascal in some possessions. Um, have you been noticing that as well? Yeah, there's like, there's handle stuff going on with Scotty. He's being asked to take like, he's being asked to get downhill a little bit more this season. And especially with a live dribble from the top, that means that Scotty more often than in seasons past has to navigate digs. He has to navigate the man stepping up because a lot of Scotty's drives in seasons past have been bully drives where he has more or less an empty side where he starts out in an isolation, turns his back and kind of bashes his way to the rim. Really protective style of getting downhill where your dribble is not going to be bothered. Guys aren't going to poke. But now since his chest is facing the rim and guys are in, you know, the help principles that, and all they have to do is step in because there's not that much shooting. So they can kind of play in the gaps, right? He's getting a lot more attention on that handle. And also just the fact that like the same thing that Pascal, Pascal's handle is pretty functional for a 6'9 guy. Scotty's is functional for a 6'9 guy. But guys are going to poke it. You're going to have a higher dribble just by default of your size. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that, that's been happening. I, I think I agree with that. I don't think it's a death knell or anything. I don't think it's too bad of a thing that's happening. It's a small thing. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think you're noticing something real. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I would like to see him handle a little bit more, especially if he if he has the advantage. And more times than not, he will especially now because he's just dripping with confidence. Um, I, I think I would like to see if, if, you know, the pick and roll doesn't work or if OG is being doubled in the corner or, you know, if to make something out of nothing, I think right now the best player to make something out of nothing is definitely Scotty. And I think I want to see him, you know, with the ball with less than 10 seconds left more so than anybody else. Yeah. Pascal has struggled late clock stuff. Like that's, that's the one thing that hasn't changed a ton. Like uh, at the end of the Chicago game was a really good example. Dennis and Scotty ran two pick and rolls empty side together to try and get something over the course of like nine seconds. And then when the clock struck 10, they swung it to the, the weak side that became the strong side when Pascal got it. And it's like, okay, try and create something. It happened a few times. And that's like, okay, we know what they want to do. They want a mismatch for Scotty. That's what they're trying to get. Or they want Dennis to get the edge around the screen. At the end of the shot clock, they toss it off to Pascal. And the tough thing is like, would you rather Scotty not be the number one option and be the backup if things break down? Because things are breaking down for the Raptors a lot. Or do you want to like stick to your strengths, try and make something happen with the primary action? Or do you want like them to just... Scotty goes up and collects the ball like classic superstar style. You ran the action. It didn't happen. Hey, you walk up there. Gimme, gimme. Let's see if I can create. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's something to pay attention to. But I the Raptors defense wasn't as good in this game overall. I think that is a symptom of too many games and too few nights. I think that's the back to back. But the offense, I think, is more or less clipping along at the same like unimpressive pace to this point and that's that's a little bit tough to deal with but hopefully it gets better they cleared 80 points per under possessions in the half court this game which is better than hanging around 75 all the time mm -hmm. it's um it's it's been tough man 
Uh, just since we're kind of getting close to the end of this, I'm going to appeal to the chat. If anybody has any questions you want to hear us discuss before we get out of here, um, feel free. And also in the time, if anybody has liked what Curly's been saying, he hosts a podcast where he does reaction podcasts, where he does like weekly stuff, long form, um, live by the three podcast. It's tremendous. Um, as far as like reaction podcasts, I don't listen to my own. So technically Curly's is the only one I listen to. Um, you should listen to it as well. And especially if you don't want to listen to me drone on, you want, you want to hear a different voice. Um, live by the three is a, is a great place to listen. Okay. We're going to look at some questions. I'm going to scroll a little bit. Okay. Do I think Masai is too attached to guys he developed and wants too much in trade and risks watching them walk for nothing like Fred? Okay. We're in, we're in front office talk, Curly. Do I think that Masai is too attached to guys he developed? I don't, I don't think so. I think he probably has the same thing that most GMs do in that he values his guys more than the league does. I don't think that's unique to Masai. But also, I, like, honestly, I, Masai didn't develop these guys. Like, and, and Nick Nurse didn't really develop them either. If anybody on the roster develops these guys, like Pascal's going to give a lot of attention to Rico Hines. Maybe a lot of guys are going to give attention to Jim San or something like that. But for the most part, Masai's just like a decision maker. He's not in the gym telling like Grady, hey, when they press on your shoulder, your response is like swim with the left hand. You know, like he's, they're not walking through stuff like that. Even Nick Nurse, right? Like Nick Nurse writing the book about jump shots and then also having the Noah board, which, you know, he's on the board at Noah for example, just for posterity. Um, he isn't responsible for jump shot tweaks either. And I know Darko came in and he said, like, there's some jump shot stuff I think we can tweak. Like maybe Darko being a new eye in there, it helps, whatever. But yeah, development is like 95% the player, 4% the context they play in, and then 1% like who's helping you go through your workouts and stuff like that, I think. Um, and then to get back to like the crux of the question, is he has he asked too much in trades and risks watching them walk for nothing? I mean, the corollary is there. It's uh, It's been proven. We've seen guys walk for nothing. Um, Masai definitely, when you hear about stuff that gets leaked, he does ask for a lot in trades. Certainly he does, but I don't think that's a, a, a bad thing. I think GM should ask for a lot in trades to be quite honest. Um, what are your thoughts on that Curly? A little front office talk. Oh, I love front office talk. You know that, um, no, I, I, I do feel that there's an argument to be had that Masai would like to see his vision through, you know, this positionless basketball. I think some of that holds true. To say that he's attached to a player, uh, it, it's hard to say. I, I, I do feel that um, he does value his players. And, and I also think the rest of the league does. Um, there's a reason why we've been linked to multiple teams over the last couple of seasons. Like, the Raptors are never linked to anything and there's no leaks. But over the last few years, we've been in it. It's been an interesting summer, especially uh, in terms of off-season talk. But I, I do feel that there is some hesitancy, and I do feel that he leans into a type that, you know, he, he's leading more into the athletes and into the physical um, abilities of players and less of, of the skill 
more, more uh, we'll call them quote unquote hoopers in this in this argument. Um, I think this team, or at least the way that Masai has been building this team, is defense first. So they're leaning into more guys that have less offensive juice. But I think with the draft pick of Grady, and I'm really praying that it, it's a it's a tweak in philosophy and approach that there he's he's realized that you know what we're as good as we can get defensively we have the guys we have the athletes we have the guys that have the physical intangibles that that we look for that now let's kind of add to that you know if if we can get a grady or or you know keonti george or somebody like that in the draft that if they're available and if we have draft picks because Masai likes to give away draft picks like halloween candy so um, if we have draft picks, that those guys would be available. But I, I do feel that um, it's more of this identity thing, less more of a, of an attachment thing. Yeah, I. It's in. It's interesting the way that the front office stuff has played out for the Raptors. Like, it's it has been. They went like six years with almost no mistakes. And had some of the biggest upside trades over the past decade of NBA basketball. And also some of the biggest upside draft picks in the last decade of NBA basketball. Some There's usually a team that's like really does it in the draft or there's a team that really does it in trades. In the lead up to the championship, the Raptors just did it all except free agency. But even like even then, you know, you can't really turn the Toronto thing around. It's a different country that affects guys. It is what it is. And it's colder here. Um, not colder than like New York, but as we see, New York isn't really getting attention from free agents that much either. We get them as like a trade market, yeah. but you know, um, yeah. Um, I, I do have a question though. Yeah. Early returns on the Yak trade. Uh, how, how are you mm. feeling about that right now? Yeah. So just to, we have from Nesta, quote, does the Jakob signing look like a bad fit with the current lack of spacing? I feel the trio of Scotty, Pascal, and Yak provides too much overlap and not enough compliment, end quote. This was kind of what I spent a lot of time talking about in the lead-up to this season, wondering how the Raptors navigate that lack of spacing. Because as we well know, what happened last season is both Scotty and Pascal suffered offensively after Jakob came to the team. The team overall was much better defensively. He added a ton there. And the Raptors went from being a wing-led offense to a pick-and-roll offense where Fred Van Vliet got way more possessions. The Raptors made a jump in offensive rating. And as we know now, Fred got a big, big bag. That's Jakob's biggest impact so far. And the Raptors played at a 47-win pace since he came over to the team it was close to getting them into the playoffs. And by rights, they should, they should have made the playoffs last season. It was pretty crazy that they didn't. Um, how is it now? I think it hurts. You know, the Raptors, you can't get away from the fact that, like, even if they do shoot, like, 35% tonight or 37%, even if they do shoot, like, 42% on any given game, teams are not responding like that's going to be the percentage. Teams are not you know, stepping out and giving driving lanes. Teams just are going under screens. Teams are packing the paint. Teams are making life hell for the Raptors' wings who want to drive and punish the rim. And the Raptors can't get to the rim largely 
because there's a significant lack of spacing. It is what it is. Um, we'll see what happens with Jakob is on a four-year deal. He's here for a while. He's not paid a whole lot of money. He's played a he's paid him a handsome amount of money for like a. Yeah, I know Masai said he's a top ten center, but he probably isn't in the NBA. Um, Twenty million. Hey, I'm not counting pockets. Good for you, Jakob. The thing is, if Pascal, if the structure of the team changes, and it's more so like Scotty, guy who shoots really well, Jakob, or like there's way more shooting anywhere else on the floor. I think Jakob fits really well. And I think there's a lot of unique plays that can be made from Jakob to Scotty and Scotty to Jakob. And I think that that's the pairing that matters the most because those are the guys who are going to be under contract and under team control. We'll see what happens with Pascal. In the same way that I wasn't down on Pascal and Scotty as a pairing, if they were going to play somebody who could shoot at the five, then, you know, get a little bit freaky with it. See how these guys fit. But um, currently, I think it's really difficult to make that lack of shooting work. And, you know, obviously we're seeing we're seeing the results of that, to some degree anyway. I don't know. Where do you sit on that, Curly? And in terms of the, the Yak deal or just in, just in general? The deal initially, how you feel about it now, and then I guess the, the fit currently with their front court. Well, I wasn't a huge fan of that deal because I felt like it was should, should have been done earlier or maybe a season before. Um, I think that we did give up a, quite a bit in future assets in order to get that, uh, to get Yak here. Uh, yeah. Given the situation uh, as to how that season was going on, maybe you don't make that trade and, and you just kind of ride out the season and hope for the best. Um, but in terms of early returns, I'm with you. I'm not really pocket watching. I think in terms of fit, uh, he can do things that this this team can benefit from. I think um, a little bit more aggression on the offensive glass would be would be uh, attainable. I think every defensive rebound he should be like a magnet to the basketball just to create create those those run out opportunities as well. Um, I think my only concern with him right now is defensively. And you saw it tonight when he got into pick and roll with Tyrese Maxey. He didn't know what he wanted to do, whether he wanted to cut him off or or cover Embiid. It, that, that indecision defensively being our anchor, so to speak, defensively, it's not good. He doesn't look like an anchor. In, in some possessions, he's looking more like a liability. So, again... I, I think we, we saw some good things last season. We're seeing flashes of it now. I think it's really too early to tell um, as to where you stand with Yak. But I, I will say this, speaking on the front office thing, I think the front office missed an opportunity to get an additional draft pick this past draft. It's So the thing, I'll give some numbers. So, so far this season, the Raptors with Jakob, Pascal, and Scotty on the floor, they're plus 15 Big, big numbers. The offense is well below average. Um, the half-court offense is well below average. But the defense, as far as like um, high minutes so far into the season, defensive lineups, the three-man trio of Jakob, Scotty, and Pascal is the 100th percentile in the NBA. So that rim protection, and this was a great question from Cole, is the added rim protection worth the lack of space? 
because we definitely complained about the former a lot when Cam and Gillespie were around. So this is like your the first part is a good question, but then you undercut it because like it can't be compared to Cam and Gillespie basically, and that's not bad on your part. I just think like if you're going to you can compare a lot of centers to Cam and Gillespie and come out in the positive. The the you know it's interesting how much could the Raptors if they had used that pick maybe the season before. Maybe if they had targeted like a Miles Turner, how much does $20 million get you from the center position that maybe you toggle the statistics of rim protection and you toggle the statistics of shooting a little bit differently? Like the Jakob is very polarized in that way. Like he's nothing in shooting, a lot in rim protection. And and he's, I, I know the exact play you're talking about, Curly. Like when... He just gave Maxi a wide open lane to the rim. I was like, what are we doing here? Especially since Schroeder, Schroeder was right on his hip. Schroeder played like perfect lock and trail defense. And Jakob, I had, he turned his hips and he just got sideways and Maxi just walked <laughs> to the rim. I didn't know what was happening. But on the whole, I think Jakob has been really good defensively, has helped this defense a lot. And so I think the Jakob Scotty pairing, there's room for it to be very good in the future. It will look different. And at least we know the defense has been very good with Jakob in tow. Those are wins. Now you get to do like, uh, my goodness, I, you could do hypotheticals about what type of center you target. What type of player are you putting there? Are you trying to salvage Pascal and Scotty as a duo? And is Jakob basically like the death knell for that duo because of the spacing? There's a bunch of hypotheticals you can go. But on the whole, as the last topic for this little live stream, I think more or less, yeah, fine. Good enough with the the Jakob trade. I came on here at 3 a.m. when he got traded. I did a little podcast talking about it. And I said, I don't think they're a good enough team to justify this trade right now. They probably weren't. and But they, signed, they re-signed him. So we're going to see. The defense has been good, so at least that's good. I don't think that they should run as much offense through them, but that's a that's another question for another time. Curly, is there anything you want to say before we get out of here? Oh man, I oh, appreciate you uh, bringing me on, man. Uh, I really do enjoy this this new approach to the to the reaction pods. It's it's been fun, man. Um, but uh, you know, shout out to you for all the great work that you do. Uh, shout out to everyone tuning in. I've I've been paying attention to the chat. It's been entertaining. Uh, I think that's that's the real draw to it. But um, last year we had a fight. In oh, there. really? <laughs> or not? Not last year. Not last year. Last night there was a fight going oh, on. Oh, amazing! Amazing! Yeah. yeah. No, man. Um, no, it's, it's great. I, I, I think that um, I think we're going to be in for another roller coaster of the season. It definitely look definitely looks that way. But I think we should stay patient. I think there's some wrinkles that are still being ironed out. Uh, I think Coach Darko is still great at getting a feel for this team. I think everybody is still adjusting. Um, but I think the one positive that we can take away is just enjoy Scotty's dominance, right? This great play. Um, he he looks like an all-star. I will say my prediction for him was 18-8-5. And, and he looks like he's probably going to clear that. Um, no problem if he keeps this pace up. 18 18- I so this is kind of funny just as a final thing like I talked about this a little bit but um I made a tweet predicting like here's my Scotty stat line prediction and so Raptors fans the people who are most familiar with Scotty's game but also the people who are going to be the most optimistic 
basically the predictions that came along next to mine made mine look very almost pessimistic at like basically expecting Scotty to do 19, seven and six with a block and a steal per game. And the rest of NBA Twitter found that with the help of some bigger accounts to like make fun of that prediction. And it looks pessimistic, man. Scotty is sleepwalking to like not just 20 points, but he scored 20 points in five straight games. He he's he's just like walking out there and collecting a mass amount of numbers. And like the blocks are probably the most difficult thing to get to as far as but the change in defensive role, like Darko keeps him below the free throw line a lot. It's helped a ton. So this is as you said. Let the Scotty train be your guiding principle for this season. Like, let that be your North Star. The Raptors have been struggling with a lot to begin the season, but what determines a team's ceiling always? What the best player looks like. And Scotty, you people probably were like, Scotty can take the mantle from Pascal. He has it in early season, obviously. That like that's no doubt no doubt about that. People probably expected it to be a little bit stiffer competition. But having Scotty take that step, be a guy who, when it comes around time for a restricted free agency, the Raptors are the ones who offer the max, and then that's it. No, no DeAndre Ayton about it, where they're like, hmm, do we match? Is this poison pill? Like, nothing even close to that. He's going to be worth the money. It's a huge deal. This is the most meaningful progression of this year, and it's happening. Other things are going bad, but you have that. So that is the guiding principle, the North Star. Who knows what happens on a game-to-game basis, but here we are. How's that sound for a podcast, Curly? Sounds great to me, brother. Let Scotty be our Hell guide. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I will see you in a couple days for some basketball. Yes, sir. I'm playing deny defense the whole time. You're not getting a shot. <laughs> okay. For anybody who's in here, Curly, he's nice with it. He's got a jumper like crazy. Um, thank you very much for hopping on, Curly. I'll say it again. If anybody liked Curly, he has a podcast, Live by the Three. It's like the only other basketball podcast I listen to. Um, thank you, Curly, for coming on. Appreciate you. Listeners, uh, live, thank you for hopping on. As as always, lots of interesting thoughts in the comments, lots of cool insight, lots of interaction. The people listening on their walk during the morning or late at night on their podcast app, thank you for hopping on. And if anybody, we're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers. We're pretty damn close. Like the video. Uh, review on podcast, whatever it needs to be, subscribe on YouTube and subscribe over at raptorsrepublic.com. You've all been an absolute peach. We'll see you. And whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Peace.